Our first uh, scripture reading is from the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel chapter 3, uh, and I'll be reading verses uh, 13 through 18. Daniel is one of the major prophets of the Old Testament. It uh, uses rather unusual language, different from the other prophets. Uh, it's been called the, uh, the revelation of the Old Testament because it uses sort of a, a lot of symbolism. Uh, but in this story, very familiar to uh, one of the, the stories in Daniel, it's about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm picking it up a little bit in the middle, but I think it'll become clear in the context of which I'm reading. It says, then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought in. So they brought those men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and you do not worship the golden statue that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, drum, an entire musical ensemble to fall down and worship the statue that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be thrown into a furnace of burning fire, a blazing fire. And who is the God that will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to present a defense to you in this matter. If our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and out of your hand, O king, let him deliver us. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to uh, continue with the story from uh, Daniel chapter 3 and ask you to follow along as I read from Daniel 3, 19 through 17. This is after uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have made it abundantly clear that they are not going to do what the king requests. So then Nebuchadnezzar, it says in verse 19, was so filled with rage against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face was distorted. He ordered the furnace heated up seven times more than was customary and ordered some of the strongest guards in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to throw them into the furnace of blazing fire. So the men were bound, still wearing their tunics, their trousers, their hats, and their other garments as they were thrown into the furnace of blazing fire. Because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was so overheated, the raging flames killed the men who lifted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But the three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the furnace of blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up quickly. He said to his counselors, was it not three men that we threw bound into the fire? They answered the king, true, O king. He replied, but I see four men unbound, walking in the middle of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the fourth has the appearance of a god. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the door of the furnace of blazing fire and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads 
was not singed. Their tunics were not harmed. And not even the smell of fire came from them. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we thank you for the words that come from your holy word, this old, old story. But we pray today that it would come to us with new truths that would fill us with the light and life and love of Jesus Christ as we pray it in his name. Amen. In the uh, movie Clear and Present Danger, Harrison Ford plays Jack Ryan, who is appointed as the acting CIA Deputy Director of Intelligence. Well, before he can even take a breath, one of the president's closest friends and the rest of his family are murdered violently in their sleep by a drug cartel. Jack Ryan is called on to investigate, but unknown to him, the CIA has already sent a secret field operative to lead a paramilitary force in the country of Colombia called Operation Reciprocity against that drug cartel. And Jack Ryan learns that the bad guys are not just in the country of Colombia, but also right under his nose within the United States government. And so he comes forward to expose the truth, risking not only his career, but even his own life. And in the closing scene of the movie, he directly confronts the president of the United States about his involvement and knowledge of the scandal. And the president sort of schluffs it off and informs Jack that not much will come of it. Oh, some people may get fined. Others may get their reputation bruised a little bit. But mostly, it's going to be a mere slap on the wrist. The president says, it's the old Potomac two-step, Jack. To which Jack Ryan says back to him, I'm sorry, Mr. President, I don't dance. Our story this morning is from Daniel chapter 3. It's the story of three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three friends who refused to dance to the music of the king. And they took a very unpopular view in that day by refusing to bow down to a pagan idol. They say to King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not serve your gods and we will not worship the golden statue that you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are not going to worship any idols, any cheap imitations of God. Anything, as you might recall, the King James Version said were graven images. But instead, they were choosing to follow God unabashedly, unashamedly. They were going to obey God's law fully. Now, if you think about it, even in the most secular sense of the term, obedience really is the key to life. These are gifted uh, professional basketball players, those that can run and jump and pass and shoot and dunk and play defense. They are not going to be successful and lead their team to victory without obeying their coach. Back when I was at Princeton Seminary, I have to tell you, I resented having to learn all of those grammatical rules from Hebrew and Greek. But I have to tell you, I probably wouldn't be the preacher today without them. On this week before the Memorial Day weekend, what do you think would happen if an F-14 uh, a pilot decided not to fly in formation with the rest of his squadron on some kind of military mission? They are under orders to obey in order to be successful in that mission. So obedience, it seems, is the key to life. 
And as, a, as Christians, what we're saying is, I too am under orders. Now, what's interesting to me is that these three Hebrew hunks in our story could have really avoided all this mess if they had just kept their mouths shut. If they had just kept their head down, kept the low profile, probably no one would have bothered them. And you know, it kind of is the same with us today. Oh, we don't have to wear our faith on our sleeve or even around our neck. We can be what someone has called a clairol Christian. What's a clairol Christian? Only God knows for sure. The ladies will get that a lot more than the men, I'm sure. One of the uh, members of a, of a church that I served when I was in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina, traveled down south to the Maranatha Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia, to hear former President Jimmy Carter teach adult Sunday school. And during the Sunday school lesson, Jimmy Carter asked, if you are arrested today and charged with being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, there's no doubt about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being followers of God because the evidence to convict was overwhelming. They believed strongly in the commandment that the people of Israel could not make any idols of God. Israel's God was the creator of the whole universe, the heavens and the earth. And to identify God with anything else was to, to set the bar way too low. This morning, I'm, I'm continuing my sermon series on friendship. And we are looking at different friendships in the Bible from different perspectives. The friendship of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was much more than just strength in numbers. It, it meant a whole lot more than, oh, misery loves company. This friendship is a friendship in the midst of a crisis. This friendship is a friendship that happens during a crisis. I love what C.S. Lewis has said. He said, lovers face one another and are absorbed in each other, but friends stand shoulder to shoulder and face in the same direction. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood shoulder to shoulder, facing in the same direction of King Nebuchadnezzar and they were ready and willing to face the consequences for their faith in God. Now you know and I know, it's a lonely world when you're all by yourself, no one to talk to, no one to turn to, no one on either side of you. And I have to think that that is what Jesus felt late that Thursday night in the Garden of Gethsemane in Holy Week. Jesus was all alone in a crisis. And in that desperate moment, Jesus called out to his friends, the disciples, and he called, and he called, and he called, and they wouldn't come because they were sleeping, and they wouldn't wake up. Now, what's so cruelly ironic is that just about an hour before that, Jesus had been with the disciples in an upper room, sitting at a table, and lifted a glass and said, this is a new covenant of my blood sealed for you. This is my commitment to you. I'll be there for you throughout all time and eternity. And you know, if the Garden of Gethsemane shows us anything, it's how hard it is for people, the people that we have come to rely on when, when, when they're not there for us, when they abandon us in our hour of need. And yet Jesus showed himself to be a friend. 
Jesus was a friend to his disciples and to you and me sitting here today. It's interesting to me, one of those little helps that I got from Princeton, that the word Gethsemane in the Hebrew means olive press. That's a pretty appropriate symbol when you consider the crushing pressure that Jesus felt under the terrible weight of all that he was about to endure. And so there in the garden, his soul oozes tears and sweat and prayers. And in that hour of anguish, Jesus so wants uh, for his friends to be there with him and for him. And so he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Three times, in fact, Jesus says that to the disciples. And each time when Jesus returns, he finds the disciples sleeping and he finds himself all alone. So here's a question for you. When someone you know has their world falling apart late one night, two o'clock in the morning, what kind of friend will you be for them? I think we need to respond to the urging of Jesus here in the story. When Jesus says, wake up, wake up, wake up to the call to be my disciples. Wake up and bring my healing love to this hurting world. Oh, don't go to sleep on me, but stay awake and pray with me and to me. Pray that amidst the chaotic circumstances that surround us, and we know that's true, right? That you will stay focused, faithful, and together, and, and not just scatter like sheep who don't have a shepherd. At the Last Supper, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, I'm calling you friends. No longer am I calling you servants. You know, servants just sort of mindlessly snap to attention when given an order without really even understanding the purpose or the order of the, the task of which they're being asked. And, and Jesus didn't want his disciples standing three feet behind him anymore. He wanted, him, he wanted them beside him, shoulder to shoulder, facing in the same direction. So that he could say, I'm sharing with you my soul. I'm sharing with you my dream for the kingdom. I'm sharing with you the love I have for my Father in heaven. I now am calling you my friends. So let me ask you another question. Will you be Jesus to the people you know? Another way of asking is how far down the road are you willing to go stand shoulder to shoulder with the people who are in a crisis? In James Bradley's book, Flags of Our Fathers, he shares that he is the son of one of the men who inspired that famous monument of the raising American flag at Iwo Jima. We've all seen that. Well, in his book, James Bradley interviewed uh, Marines. These are the ones who stormed the beaches of Iwo Jima. They put their bodies in harm's way uh, of Japanese automatic machine gunfire. They ran directly at those guns with nothing uh, between their flesh and those bullets except their uniforms. And James Bradley asked those veterans, why? What, what, what was your motivation? Now, we might think that they answer, oh, it was for our country or it was to defend the Constitution. But again and again and again, those Marines that he interviewed said, it was my buddies. I did it for my buddies. In fact, one Marine said, it's very deceptive because we would fight over a beer, we'd insult each other's sister, but then we'd go out and lay down our lives for each other. Can any of you think of a better definition of friendship than the Marine motto? Semper Fidelis, always faithful.
The essence of Jesus Christ is a love beyond our imagination. It's a love without limits. It's a love without bounds. And so Jesus says in John 15, 13, greater love have no one than that person who lays down his life for his friends. Well, back to our story. King Nebuchadnezzar goes ballistic because Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are demonstrating out, outward defiance. And so he has them thrown into a fiery furnace that is so hot that the soldiers who throw them into the furnace are also burned to death. If they were making this story into a Hollywood movie, they might call it Three Men in an Oven. Well, the plot thickens as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walk around in the flames and sing praises to God. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar can't believe it. But what he sees is truly astounding. He says, was it not three men that we threw bound in the fire? I see four men walking in the middle of fire, and the fourth appears as the Son of God. My friends, it was the Son of God. And what's shocking in this story to me is that God did not transport Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the flames. Instead, God got into the flames with them. Jesus Christ comes and stands with us in the midst of our flames so that we can go in his name and power into the fiery places of this world. After all, isn't that what Pentecost is all about? Is that why you're wearing red today? Because what happened 2,000 years ago was truly remarkable. That day marked the beginning of the church. Pentecost is the birthday of the church. The power of the Holy Spirit coming down upon those people that day was a truly remarkable experience. The sound of that mighty wind blowing downward and fire or tongues of fire coming to rest upon the people. Friends, as we go forward, as we go forward in God's power and name, it is to proclaim the good news in word and deed. There's a uh, Palestinian uh, Christian schoolmaster who lives in the West Bank, and he has brought in uh, scores of Muslim students to teach them every day in the school. And there was a seminary professor from this country visiting in Israel and asked him candidly, are you, are you seeking to make those Muslims Christian? that schoolmaster said, no, no. We just teach them to follow Jesus. And you know, that fits very well with this church's mission statement. You know it. Chestnut Level Presbyterian Church, planted in Christ, growing in grace, feeding the world. Because at the end of the day, we bow our knees we fold our hands and we confess with our tongues that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the gateway into the heart of God. As I close, let me say this. We are going to have our own hot ovens and fiery furnaces in life. I think there's this misunderstanding that, oh, I'm a Christian, um, Ah, uh, God, you might let the air conditioning break for a little while. It might get hot up in here to 98 degrees. I'm going to sweat a little bit. I might have to drink some fluids, but God, you're not going to put me in a furnace. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. When you walk through the fire, 
you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God. Now notice in that passage, it didn't say if. It says when. When you walk through the fire. Everybody, I do mean everybody, goes to a furnace. But here's the difference. God says to you and me, other people may get burned up, but I'm going to turn this experience into something beautiful. I'll be right with you. I'll stand beside you, shoulder to shoulder with you. And I'm going to put people around you in your life so that you won't have to take the heat by yourself. Thanks be to God for his faithfulness and for the people that he puts around us during the crises of our life. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we pray that you would give us uh, faith to, to face the, the challenges of this world that in obvious and sometimes subtle ways are, are even hostile to the gospel. As, as embattled Christians trying to do the right thing, give us the boldness to speak your name, proclaim your love, and to know that through all the trials and the ups and downs and the ins and the outs, we are truly blessed because of our faith in Jesus Christ. And great is our reward both in this life and the next. Give us the courage to honor you with our lips, with our lives, and in every situation in which we find ourselves. And God, give us friends, because one truly is the loneliest number. Give us friends to support and encourage us in the midst of the struggles and troubles of life. Most of all, Thank you, O oh God, for entering into our flames and our fires. Give us your hope and your healing as you protect us and walk with us each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.